We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. We are here to record part three of the mailbag. We only have six questions for this episode, but it's going to be a good one because we have a lot to talk about here, Fachi. So instead of asking how you're doing, let's just jump right into it. First question, what we got? First off, I'm doing great. I hope you are too. But <laughs> Thanksgiving man. Question. Thanksgiving, yep, Thanksgiving man. man. Uh, now, first question, we have Stance Stevenson said, are there any early trade targets for the Pacers? Not necessarily big names, but underutilized players on other teams that could help us win. I think right now it's a little early to be hearing a lot of names being thrown out there in terms of trade targets. You've heard a lot of stuff about the Chicago Bulls and their decisions to maybe change things up a little bit. Other than that, I really haven't heard a whole lot in terms of teams that might be looking to make some moves here. You know, obviously teams are always talking, so you got to be mindful of that. But is there anybody on Chicago that really stands out to me? Nobody that I could think of besides I, our guy, Alex Caruso, yeah. right? Exactly. Yep. So, and I really don't know if that's going to be worth what the Bulls are asking for. As much as I like Caruso and think he's a really good player, I don't know if I'm really willing willing to sell the farm to, to get Alex Caruso away from Chicago and outbid a team that might be more desperate to get him. No, nah, there could definitely be some desperate teams out there. Like Similar to, to what you said before, it's so early in the season that you really don't know who's available other than Zach Levine, who uh, you know feels like he's being dangled around the league. But I, I think it's tough because we don't need any more offense. We need defense. But also, you don't want to bring in a I – mean, like you know you need help at the four, but also that, that further buries Jarris Walker, I feel like. But one player that I do think – could help this Pacers team. I, I don't know if he is necessarily available right now, but I think he's a player that could be 
is Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson is an expiring contract. The Timberwolves are playing really good basketball, so I don't know if they would want to move him by any means. But when I looked into a couple metrics, he's fifth in defensive plus minus, 14th in defensive rating, and then overall he's 28th in defensive win shares. I just feel like when I, I, I you guys would be actually amazed how far down the list you got to look to find an Indiana Pacer on any of those defensive metrics right now. Because I saw at one point, I can't remember which one it was, but Miles Turner was in the 100s. It was like he was deep down there. So, And that's not a Miles Turner thing. It's the Pacers are such a bad defensive unit that all those players are, are struggling in those categories. But Kyle Anderson, I think, is, is someone who brings a little bit of everything to the table. Good defender. And another one, if we're going deeper, deeper pick, someone we discussed recently, Royce O'Neal, I think, could be available. He's someone who's also in an expiring contract as well. So two expiring deals, I think, could both help on defensive uh, capabilities for role players. I'll throw one out at you just because this team lost again. They lost by double digits to the Washington Wizards on Monday night. That's the Detroit Pistons. And this player has not even played a game, I don't think, this year for them. And that's a veteran forward that used to play for the Pacers, Bojan Bogdanovich. He is making $20 million this year. He's 34 years old. He'll be 35 next year with a partial guarantee, but only $2 million of that $19 million is guaranteed next year. Is that somebody that you'd be willing to look at for a low, like a low flyer? Here's the problem. I mean, look, uh, defensively, we have so many issues right now that it's just like, are we going to, if we trade for Bojan, is he, is he going to fix our defensive struggles right now, I definitely don't think so. Would I enjoy him shot making at that spot? That's oh, you know, he, he he definitely does, and I think that the knock on Boyan when he came, before he came to the Pacers was he was a horrific defender. I thought he became a capable defender with the Pacers, but I, I do think that he's another guy that teams there could be a lot of suitors for Boyan, and I don't know if the Pacers want to pony up whatever it may take for Detroit to give him up because last year they really wouldn't do it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you look at his contract and it's like it's not that bad, but at the same point he hasn't played all year, so it kind of makes you feel like what team is really going to give up much for him. So that's the only way I look at this and think, okay, maybe the Pacers consider this. But uh, I'm trying to see if there's a trade that makes sense that works. Yeah, you could trade T.J. McConnell and Jordan War for Billion Bogdanovich trade up. Would you do that? I mean, yes, I I would most definitely do that. I think Boyan could. I don't. I don't know how outspoken he is in terms of being a veteran. He might be an older player, but I definitely think that he's someone where when he's on the court and he's playing, he's a good player, especially the yeah. last few years. Nawara out of the rotation, McConnell in and out of the rotation. If that is what could get it done, I would imagine you got to probably include a couple second-round picks in there. That deal, yes, that would make sense for the Pacers. Yeah, I think I would try. I'd actually do that one in a heartbeat, even though I, I, I do think Bullion's a little bit older. I think that just having yeah. – he's had experience with the playoffs. He's played for the Pacers, played pretty well when he was there, had some good moments in Utah. I think he learned how to become a better team defender than he was an actual on-ball defender as like this lockdown guy. But, you know, you're right. Under Dan Burke, he did develop as a defensive player for this Pacers team, someone that was at least capable when he was out there on the floor. And I feel like pairing him with Tyrese in this offense they're trying to run could be kind of nice. Just, just on – Crap at the wall at this point. See if there's anything that'll stick. Maybe Thumb's it does. Stick. If you hate it, everybody. I mean, throw me, throw me what you have out there that's better than that in terms of players that could be available at this point in the season. Yeah, I think Boyan very well could be available. Actually, I think it, it would be in the Pistons' best interest to trade him because they are going nowhere. 
when I brought up Kyle Anderson, it makes a lot of sense. I think for you know if Pacers are looking to improve defensively, but Minnesota is having such a good season right yeah. now. Why would you want to mess it up? Exactly. So I I just think that the Pacers aren't going to blow them away with some offer to the point where you know Minnesota might as well ride it out. But um, are you ready for the next question? Yeah, let's go. This one uh, this one's from Jim. He said, hypothetically speaking, isn't Levine at his core the type of player we want Matherin to become? All-star level score who can help tie on the half court and come playoff uh, court come playoff time. If his trade value is truly this low and we could keep all defenders, Nismith, Bruth, Nimhar, Jarris, why not go for it? Look, if Matherin turned into Zach Levine, a two-time all-star in this league, that would be great. But there's a difference between drafting a player that could turn into Zach Levine's, you know, slash all-star, and then also trading numerous players and or picks for a guy like Zach Levine who will not help you on defense, has not translated to winning, and is making between 40 to $49 million per year for the next four years. Our offense is already really good. Levine will not help the defense. And when you say that his value is low, how low? Chicago ain't just giving him up. It's yeah. Just it's probably lower than what it's been in recent years, where they might have been looking for, you know, maybe a Donovan Mitchell esque trade, where you're talking numerous first round picks, young players. No, I don't really think they're going to get that type of trade for Zach Levine. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up. The, the best point of this whole entire thing is five years, two hundred and fifteen million dollar contract that he signed with the Bulls is the reason why you don't trade for him. And then also, if you go into his contract notes here on Spotrack. 15% trade kicker. So he might that waive that, but I guarantee he's not waving if he gets traded to the Pacers. I don't think so. If he gets traded to a title contender, then yeah, that's one thing. But like, no, like we're trying to get better as a team collectively. And I just don't necessarily buy into Zach Levine as being an all in team kind of guy. Yeah. On paper and what he does skill wise, you think about throwing that next to a guy like Halliburton it does maybe get you a little bit excited because here's a guy that can be that number two option that we've talked about. But is he reliable? Has he translated to winning like Fachi said? No, he hasn't. So at this point, I would rather give those minutes to Matherin to develop and say, okay, Matherin, we're not even going to worry about the, the wins and the losses at this point. Go out there, figure out how to play with Ty. You got the, the, the rest of the 30 games of the season, whatever it is at this point. Go figure it out. But no, I'm not doing either of those hypotheticals, honestly. I think that there's a lot of better ways to spend your money than going after players that are already in the same position that you are pretty strong at. If Zach Levine was a six foot nine power forward, I would totally be in on this, but he's not. And he is a playing a position the Pacers don't really need to improve at this point because they have so much young talent that they just acquired in the draft last year that can play that spot with Ben Matherin, with Andrew Nimhart, and then they drafted Ben Shepard this year. So I, I'm not going to stunt the growth of any of those players just because we want to go make a splashy move and get a Zach Levine, who I don't even think if he was traded would be considered a blockbuster trade. Not only is Levine not a six foot nine power forward, but he never will be. I don't I don't want to do it. I, all right, I'm out on it. I just think that you made a great point. There's a better way to spend your money because the Pacers really only get one opportunity to have two max contract guys. And and I, I just feel like this is this is not a franchise that has 
you know, been paying that luxury tax, or is really going to say, hey, you know, we're going for it all. Let's go for two to three stars. Your second option, it's got to be someone who fits this team better than Zach Levine does. So uh, I, I think that while he is the shiny name that is out there right now when there's not many names, I, I don't think this is the right move for a Pacers team that has been stockpiling assets and cap space. No, for sure. And I mean, what's really funny is we actually made fun, and I think a lot of people made fun of the Portland Trailblazers for how much money they gave Jeremy Grant this past season, this past offseason. A lot of money, and it was after they traded or after Damian Lillard requested the trade and they decided to move off of him. Everyone's like, why did they sign Jeremy Grant if their whole entire plan was to trade uh, Damian Lillard? And they were like, because Jeremy Grant wanted to be here, we wanted him here long term. Okay, so they they overpaid for him, but that's kind of what a small market has to do. They overpay for this power forward, give him a ton of money, and... Their record doesn't show for it much, but he has produced at a high level for them at that position, but is with the group that is completely in a rebuild. So, you know, we can make fun of that, but the Pacers are probably going to be in the same boat this coming offseason when they really have to go out there and fork out the cash to lure a, a power forward away. Now, I understand Jeremy Grant was already with the Portland Trailblazers, but you probably had to overpay him just a little bit to convince him to stay in Portland, knowing that Damian Lillard could be on the move. Um, what other incentive would he have to stay there besides the money? Probably none because he knows wings probably not going to be a priority at this point in their, in their development stages. So I think the Pacers at this point, knowing they're trying to take a step forward, they're going to have to really utilize that money correctly. And they're probably going to have to overpay for a power forward and free agency. No doubt about it. They had to overpay for Bruce Brown. They had to. I mean, <laughs> you point. were not getting you were not getting Bruce Brown for for the mid level, and no while way. that's what other teams were offering, so Pacers pony up. They offered twenty two and a half million dollars per year, and that that's what it took to be able to sign Bruce Brown. So if you're talking about signing an all star level player, yeah, you're probably going to be looking to uh, offer the most money that you can. So. We'll see what happens, but I don't think that Zach Levine is the guy to pursue to take us to that next level unless you consider the next level a playoff appearance because that's what the Chicago Bulls have been doing. They haven't been going past that. But next question, we have Aaron. He said, should we just face the fact that the Pacers' defense is what it is and the only way we're going to win is to score 140 to 150 points per night? No, we shouldn't. And the problem is if you do that, then you're accepting that you're just a poor defensive team and you're not holding these guys accountable. you got to make sure that you hold these guys accountable and to, and just keep working and grinding. It's game 16 of the regular season when we're recording this. They've got a lot of games left ahead of them. So they've got plenty of time to improve the defense, and if they want to become a serious contender, then they're going to have to do that. You can maybe score 130, 140 points in a regular season game, but you're not coming playoff time dropping 140, 150 points and expecting to win in the playoffs. It's not going to happen that way. They're going to have to take strides to get better defensively, and if they don't, then they're going to be on the bottom looking up, and they're going to be one of these teams that maybe doesn't even get past a playing round because their defense can't their defense can't string enough stops together to stop anybody when it matters the most. So that's kind of where I'm at. Rick Carlisle has been fuming mad about how poor they play defensively this season. And I'm glad that he's finally kind of making it public how upset he is with it. A lot of Pacer fans have made so many comments, Fachi, about how disgusted they are with the defense. And I, I kind of agree. They, they got to be held to a higher standard defensively if they want to be considered a playoff team. 
yeah, I'm not ready to just face the facts and be like, yeah, it is what it is. We 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 got to score 150. That that's crazy to think we're gonna go out there and just set a new franchise record in points like every other week. I think that's <laughs> nuts. Now the Pacers, they're they're surrendering you know just over 125 points per game. That's wild. At this point, if if we could say you know give up about 115 to 120 points per game instead. So you're talking about improving the defense by about five points per game. Alex, that accounts to a few wins. That, yeah. that, is, that is quite a few more wins because right now, you know, five of our six losses, five of the six losses that, that, we, that we, at this point, you know, seven, you know, we've given up over 120 points per game. So two of those losses are by one point. So you're talking about if the Pacers can get one more stop, that could be good for a win here and there. I just feel that the Pacers need to be able to find a way to improve this defense. I'm not talking about drastically, but you got to try and be giving up less than 120 points per game at this point is what I'm willing to settle on. Because at this point, that's that's shaving off over five points per game, which is a big difference in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, if you were listening to any national podcast, they were like, can you believe it? The Pacers have the best-ranked offense in the entire league, but they also have the worst-ranked defense. And it's awesome. kind of fluctuated up and down a little bit over the week, but I will just say this. We're not asking the Pacers to take a, a major leap defensively because we know that's nope. not going to happen. Just take some baby steps, and if they can get into that 20 to 25 range, it makes them a lot more of a capable team defensively that you feel like you can trust them a little bit more to to maybe take a, a step forward in their in their development. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. They just got to continue just chipping away at this. It's not going to just happen overnight. They're going to have to continue to just be disciplined and figure things out on the defensive side of things. But there's no way you can just throw the the talent and say the defense sucks. Let's go all in offensively. No, that's not how you win. And that's proven multiple times throughout the league that good defenses that have average offenses are likely to have more success success than teams that have great offenses and the worst defenses. Oh, yeah. Come playoff time, if you're going to run into like a Boston in the first round, they're going to put the clamps on you. Pacers are not going to be putting up 140 points against the Celtics. So, um, yeah, it, it's not sustainable. I, I I can't throw in that towel yet. But uh, yeah. what do you got for us next? Yeah, Jess wants to know, what would be the ideal number two type of player for Tyrese to play with if we make a big move before the trade deadline? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Something that we've talked about before, I feel like Pascal Siakam is the guy that checks the boxes. 
He he's is. the guy that also feels that he could be had. He's also the guy that's been rumored to the Pacers. I think the Pacers know that he could be the ideal number two option. He's an all-star slash all-NBA caliber player. Um, I think that he's far more of a true number two than OG is. I think OG is a, a really good fit for the Pacers, but I think Siakam has that higher ceiling of being a night in, night out number two option. And then one thing that I thought was fun, but I don't see it happening, Ooh. is, uh, you know, at one point, New Orleans is going to look to probably move Zion. Oh my I think God. that <laughs> I, it's not going to happen, I know, but just a Tyrese Halliburton, a Zion Williams, like, that would be a lot of fun to watch. And I think that Zion would be an absolute beast, and playing with Halliburton would be great. But I think one that would cost everything you could possibly imagine. And I think that Zion has been a little bit unhappy in New Orleans. I can't guarantee he'd be thrilled in Indiana. I feel like he probably would want to go to like a major, major market. Dallas. <laughs> yeah, Dallas seems where he would like to go. He loves um, Texas. But <laughs> he, he very much does. Loves it a little too much. But I, I think that Siakam would be the ideal number two that I think of. I know you and I have both kind of shared that opinion. Yeah, it's it's one of those guys that it just makes a ton of sense for what you're trying to do. And if you look at the rest of the rest of the league and you're looking at teams that are just really struggling, maybe they'd be willing to sell off of somebody. Um, the only other person, and I really don't think they'd be a number two option, so it's not even really worth saying, but I'll just start out there that I could see potentially moved as someone like a Kyle Kuzma. And I'm not going to like – Jump on the bandwagon for Kuzma like I kind of did last year a little bit when we were you talking about did. But I'm being more realistic saying he's not the number two option. I'm not, yeah. I don't even think I was saying that last year, but I do think that he would help this team. Better shooter than Obi Toppin. Um, probably has better defensive upside than Obi Toppin too, as much as we like Obi Toppin. But that is somebody that would be on my radar a little bit. Maybe Lori Markkinen as well. But at this point, let me ask you this. Do you think that yeah. it's – the right time with this roster to make a move for a number two star, or do you wait till next season? You got to wait. I know everybody wants it now. and We can't waste this amazing offensive season, you know, for the Pacers. But it's like, if we push those chips all in, it's it's at this point, it's like, yeah, you, you, you probably do get in the playoffs. You do. Probably don't win a first round. I can't say that you don't. Can't say you definitely don't. But you probably don't. You make the playoffs. I think you want to see more development this year. Because, look, if the Pacers make that big move, someone's got to go. You know, a, a Matherin or an Emhart or any of them, like, they, they, they could be on the way out if you're going to make a big move. And I, I think you could argue that it might have been too soon to move on from them. I think by the end of this season, you are going to know, is Benedict Matherin who you hoped he was? Is Andrew Nemhard who you hope he can be? I think any of those questions will be answered. But this offseason, I think, is the time where you say, okay, we know exactly what we're missing, and, and we're ready to make that move. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I think that it would be smart to maybe jump the gun a little bit by the trade deadline if a player becomes available. But like, a, you don't want to throw all your assets at somebody that's an expiring contract. And that's kind of the guys we've been looking at. So unless we feel super confident that they're going to resign with the Pacers, you don't do it. But the only positive is you do maybe get a head start on that development of using the last half of the season or the last third of the season to see what that duo can look like with Tyrese and whoever they trade for and then carry that over into the offseason and then to the beginning of the next season as they continue to develop. That's the only positive I can really see with it. 
But yeah, if you're having to give up one of your core pieces in terms of like young young assets that you've just acquired through the draft or via trade over the last couple of years, you're going to have to really determine, is it the right time to move off of one of those guys? And you, you're going to have a little bit of nervousness because you don't want to move off somebody too soon. Then they blossom somewhere else and you're kicking yourself three years later because you, maybe uh, maybe you didn't make the move right away. But I'll just go back and say it. We talked about it a little bit in the, the first mailbag, I think, or maybe the, the recap against the Pistons. I can't remember. But when you go back and think about how the Pacers were able to acquire Halliburton, it's because they had to wait multiple times for the right trade to happen for one of their bigs. Miles Turner was involved in numerous trade rumors. Even Sabonis' name was thrown out there a few times. But it probably took uh, an extra year longer than people wanted for one of them to be dealt, probably two years longer. But because they were patient, they ended up getting a stellar deal and made the most out of it. So there is a benefit to waiting. There is, but I think the big thing is, like, you want to trade for a guy who at least has some years under contract. Because if the Pacers, to our point before they mentioned, if they did give up on a Jairus Walker before you really got to play him, but but Siakam walks... All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, we really just jumped the gun here. And then there's the other flip side of it is like, you look at a team like Cleveland. Cleveland pushed the chips all in for Donovan Mitchell. They made that big move. And that was a Cleveland team that wasn't even a playoff team. They lost in the play in, and then they made the move for Donovan Mitchell. Expectations immediately rose. It went, you have to be ready to compete now. And they tried, they got bounced in the first round last year. If it doesn't work out this year, there's already rumors that Donovan Mitchell might leave. He might. It doesn't sound like he's going to sign an extension. All of a sudden, Cleveland's championship window was pretty small, pretty small, and they weren't ready to fully develop guys like Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. They needed more time. So we'll see what happens with them. I think the Pacers' time isn't yet, but it's coming. This offseason, I do think, is the time to make the move. Now, I'm not saying just stand pat, sit on your thumbs. Make a move at the trade deadline, but I think that move could be a little bit of a smaller move just to try and give that push forward towards the playoffs instead of saying, hey, you know what, we're going to lower the ceiling on this team and just temporarily say, hey, let's let's try and get out of the first round this year. Yeah, I mean, if the Pacers, in my opinion, were really all in this season, then they're probably a lot more aggressive on a Drew Holiday than they were. Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, when he became available with Portland, you have to think to yourself, like, yeah, we're not winning a title if we get Drew Holiday because this team's not ready for it. But how much different does this defense look if Drew Holiday is out there guarding opposing team's best player? He's probably the best individual one-on-one player in the entire league. So, you know, if they're really serious about trying to make that step forward in terms of pushing all their chips in to try to make it to the playoffs or whatever – then a deal like that probably does happen. I'm sure they call it. I think that was even reported by Zach Lowe. They're going to call and make some noise in terms of like we have interest. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is where you can't let the small market get in the way. And you have to kind of make be willing to make risky moves, but you also have to time them out perfectly. Trading Sabonis for Halliburton was not a risky move, in my opinion. No, it was not. Honestly, you're, you're time. trading for a player... Yeah, you're trading for a player in Tyrese Halliburton. A, you had the need. B, special player. C, on a rookie contract for numerous years. I just felt like at that point it was like, okay, there is not a lot of risk here at all. And for Sabonis, you you, you topped out. With Sabonis as the number one player on this Pacers team, their ceiling was maybe, 
maybe you could get out of the first round. And even then, they weren't doing that. Yeah. So that move, low risk, the highest reward. Yep, for sure. So, all right, we got a two-part question here from Ed Lolly. Fachi, go ahead and read part one. All right, part one, Ed Lolly hitting us with a two-parter. He said, what is this current team missing to take the next step? Is it a position or what kind of player? Yeah, I think we've kind of talked about it all podcast long, so there's not really any emphasis here other than go out there, find more defensive players to help this team get better and maybe find a spot at the four position, either the three that you can really rely on because I'm not sold on Bruce Brown being the long-term starter at the two guard. He's a nice fill-in for this season, but you need someone that can be sustainable there. Maybe it is a Ben Matherin, but how does he look if he's playing next to a legitimate three and four? I think that's where you're going to have to really see this Pacers team make improvements. So I think they're just missing a lot of length in the front court, especially when, with guys that are defensive-minded. Yeah, your point on Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is a good piece on a contending team. Like He is someone that is going to be good. When when you're having him as your highest-paid player, the expectations get a little bit too high, and then I think that you start to look at things that um, you know, he's, that he's not, and I think that it's, it's unfair to him. This team is drastically missing a, a two-way wing. I mean, a player of, they don't grow on trees. The Paul Georges, the Kawhi Leonard's, those two-way you know, guys that could play the, the three or the four, they're, they're franchise changers on, on both sides of the ball. Look, but if they can't find a, a great two-way wing, you got to find a real upgrade at the power forward spot. Someone who can give you 20 and 10, also be a, a capable defender. Someone, if that, if that type of guy could play next to Miles, I mean, that would be awesome. I feel like we've had a revolving door at the four for a while now, and I we just can't figure it out. Guys like Obi and Neesmith, they are – good role players, but I don't think they're necessarily starting fours in this league. So I think that that's something that the Pacers need to address because we are asking a lot out of Aaron Neesmith. It's like, well, can you play some small ball five or we're going to put him at the four? Like this. It's like, whoa, give this man a break. He's six foot five. He's giving you everything he's got, but I just feel that we're asking too much. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Totally agree, Five. So let's move on to part two of Ed Lawless' question to wrap things up here for our final part of the mailback. He said, where are we on Matherin? Are we willing to wait this out, or do we then risk uh, him being the next Duarte? So basically, are we going to let Matherin figure things out, or are we just going to basically throw the talent early and say you're the next Chris Duarte we're trading you after year two? What are your thoughts? I think this is this is the the big question lately. With you know, Matherin has a good game. All right, all right, yeah, he's gonna be good. Has a bad game. It's like, whoa, is he gonna be the next Chris Duarte? Like, well, let's <laughs> pump the brakes there. But it's a fair question. Matherin still needs more time. He's not even gonna be twenty two until after the season. He's shown a lot of promise, but the strides defensively have not been there. Yeah, as this team wants to get better defensively, it feels like. His role has a it's at risk of being at least slightly reduced because we saw Carlisle kind of you know call timeout, lost it on Matherin, took him out. We didn't see him again. I, I think that there's times that there's going to be hard coaching, and Matherin's got to continue to develop defensively, but also it feels that offensively because he took a little bit of a step back. But as it relates to the comparison to Chris Duarte, look, Duarte was drafted at nearly 24 four years old he had yeah. already i feel you know 
maximized a lot of his potential, and I see him more as a role player in the NBA. Matherin, I feel like, is, is a player that is definitely a starting-level material slash you hope could one day blossom into a potential all-star. I think we got to give it more time. We cannot, you know, say, hey, this is it. We're going to pigeonhole him into he's just a, uh, a one-trick pony. I think he could still be a very good player, but he has not by any means reached his full potential. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that you always what always gets lost in the shuffle with a Chris Duarte is the age in which he was drafted, Fachi. So that's that's one of the things that's like with Mather, and he's already got another three to four years before he even reaches Duarte's, you know, yeah. second year in the league. So, you know, Duarte was coming to the man. He was coming in with a kid, with a family, like just really trying to provide. And like you thought it was going to be instant impact. And he was his first year, but then he lost his shot, dealt with injuries back and forth and just couldn't figure it out. Matherin's been relatively healthy his entire career. So that's yeah. great to see. Pacers have had a lot of issues with that. It's it's early. It's 16 games into the regular season when we're recording this. Ben Matherin is a very good basketball player. Ben, ben Matherin has a very high ceiling. And I think he has taken some steps forward defensively. It's just not been consistent. But nobody on this Pacers team really outside of maybe Miles Turner has been consistently defensively. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get the frustrations for sure. I mean, we're we're getting labeled over here as Matherin haters because we're critical of him when he does struggle. But at the same time, I mean, me and Fachi were over the moon about Matherin last year in a tricky season. We loved every bit of it. We were excited to see what he could become in year two. We were pounding the table for him to start. We were saying, you know, him and Nimhar got to start with Halliburton. You know, maybe Bruce Brown comes off the bench, whatever. You know, we were throwing everything at the fan there, just saying, hey, there is a legitimate chance that, you know, Matherin can be the number two guy. So uh, I think at this point, you just kind of have to wait it out, let Matherin kind of get over these tough hills that he's climbing up. And, and he's going to have some good moments. He's going to have some bad moments. It's year two. It's always the toughest year for a lot of players. But how he kind of, progresses this year I think will be indicative to let us know who he's going to become if he really fails the last 60 plus games of the season in a different role maybe coming off the bench or not being where he wants to be then you can probably get a little bit more concerned than you are now but at this point right now not not overly concerned I think Matherin is in a good spot and a good franchise with a great coach that's going to push him to uh, reach a level that he probably would not reach as soon if he was with somebody else that did not care as much about the development of his game on both sides of the basketball. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think at minimum, you got to give him half of this season. One and a half seasons of, of sample size feels like, okay, you can get a better feel for who this player really could be. And even then, like I said, he still won't even be 22 years old. So we're, we're, we're jumping the gun a bit. We're, we're, we're not thrilled with where he's at but he still has a long way to go so it's not like this is someone that we're like we're not even seeing him out there on the court and we're like okay should we be worried it's like no this this guy has plenty of, of real good moments but the consistency hasn't been there the way that we wanted last year it felt like his start to the year his october november it was awesome and then he slowed down maybe maybe he's gonna ramp up this year Maybe he ends up finishing stronger than, than he did last year where we start to see more progression in December and January and February instead of you know the opposite of what we saw last year. So I'm hopeful. I'm not ready to throw in the towel by any means, but it's a, it's a fair question, Ed. For sure, Ed. So 
That's going to wrap it up for our mailbag for the month of November. Thank you all so much for your incredible questions. I know some were kind of a little bit of the same topic, but we want to make sure that we get all those answered for you. So, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on the good old social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. But please, ladies and gentlemen, do us a, uh, do us a big favor. Stop what you're doing. This podcast is almost over. Go leave us a five-star rating and review over on Apple and Spotify. It does help us tremendously. We have seen the improvements from those numbers going up. So if you would continue to just, to give back to us as we're giving a lot of content to you, that would be greatly appreciated. But Fachi, we're moving over to the month of December here shortly. Things are getting excited as November winds up. So if you're excited for Christmas to be here and the Pacers to get on a, a better winning streak here in December than hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.